You were listening to episode 169 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we gotta set up the future for intense capitalism, and it starts with our ancestors catching them all in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge! That's a good one. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I know, well, you keep... Piling on the praise, so I keep having to try to shoot higher and higher. All right, that's good. Yeah, um, we'll we'll keep doing it. Uh, next week has to be better, hundred percent better. Uh, so this week we played a little bit of uh, Pokemon Arceus, which is of course the uh, the hottest game in town, I guess, right now. Right? It was like over five million or seven million units sold in its first week or something, like some stupid amount. I'm I'm really interested to see what the first week reportings are going to be because like. There's been a lot of people saying that, you know, we're going to get a much better idea of like how many people are buying these because the numbers are kind of inflated by the two version system. So with only one version coming out, how many sales is it going to get? Is it going to do the numbers that you do when you have a double launch or not? Yeah, that's true. Uh, and honestly, I'm happy they don't have the two version system for this. Uh, we'll go in. Well, I guess I'll go into a little bit of detail and then we'll get your opinion here for our inflation deflation for the week. Uh, so starting out with current pickups or recent pickups, uh, I did get Pokemon Arceus. Uh, I also got Dark Alliance via D&D game as well as a bunch of magic cards from Ryan. Uh, digging into Arceus because that is what I'm currently playing as well. Uh, I am definitely enjoying myself dude i've been playing it for i don't know maybe over the course of a week maybe eight or nine hours is what i've been playing i'm nowhere near uh barry carenza levels of like i think he put in like 30 hours this week and that was like two days ago i was like damn barry uh so (laughs) if you're interested to see like you know if he's beat the game go go check out barry carenza i think it's hawk hellfire i think is his uh hashtag uh for or no his uh twitter handle um and we've also got him on a few prior episodes that you can catch uh, from us. But as far as Arceus is concerned, dude, the the whole concept of, you know, going into like this feudal Japan type system and going to like the origins of Pokemon is something that I had really wanted to do for some time in that like open atmosphere. And so the time that I've had playing it uh, has been pretty cool. It's, it's a little more of a unique experience uh, than prior games and what I, you know, than what I've seen. You don't have to deal with the whole... Uh, you do have to like choose your three Pokemon type of thing, and you're exploring this world with that initial Pokemon, but you're just constantly catching just about everything. And you know, I think the qualm I have, and I'm not going to go too deep into detail because we're going to have our inflation deflation, but the biggest qualm I've had so far has really been the graphics and I would say the lack of voice acting in a title that is on the, you know, on the Switch should realistically be in... HD quality and we're just kind of lackluster in that department but I'm having a lot of fun with it and um, you know we'll, we'll go into deeper details here uh, at the end of the episode but as far as the other games I'm currently playing uh, it takes two playing that with my wife uh, we are god we're because you and I played that a while back too so we got past actually I don't even know if we played enough to say like you know, here's a huge update, but we got past like the squirrels and stuff the other day, um, which you have like these militaristic squirrels that are going against the the wasps in in their hive, and uh, the squirrels have like 
Straight Wait, you're up. on the wasp side? On on the no, they're not on the wasp side. They're no, in the you're wasp. on the wasp side? No, we're on the so technically there's no side because okay. we were with the squirrels initially and they're like, okay, well, because uh, they, they actually captured the two characters and they put them in this room and are like, let's see whose side they're on. They release a bunch of wasps into the room and the wasps kill your characters, but you regenerate right off the bat, like you do in, you know, the start of the game. And they're like, oh, they're definitely not on the wasp side. And that's curious. They can't die. And they just see you like continually getting killed in this game. Interesting. And they suck up the wasps. They're like, we're going to use you for our military experiment to go ahead and do the following. And so they like, basically force you to kill these wasps and then when all is said and done um you're escaping but it's like they give you it's the craziest thing like they give you like the top of a bottle like the suction part of a bottle and it's like a little tiny container and it shoots out basically goo that catches on fire fire uh, goo. yeah fire goo of some sort uh i guess it's kind of like napalm and then uh the other character the female character has like a match gun so she's able to like light like expl- like she's basically able to explode certain objects because of its like match gun and yeah dude it's just insane like the humor behind that game is just non-stop yeah uh i love the just a different like functions like swinging from different trees being able to grind on rails uh the different weapons and stuff and then because it's so like level focused on those weapons like once you're done using them you don't have to remember like oh yeah i had this weapon from like earlier on in the it's game it's just very modal yeah exactly which i really like and then the the humor component's fantastic as well of course uh like with the squirrels they they build a plane and then as they're looking he's like wait are those my underwear so the squirrels like took his underwear and like made the top of a plane yeah. and he's like flying and it's like canister type of like makeshift airplane of his underwear being the uh the wings hilarious dude so yeah we're liking that game and then played a little bit of apex this week uh so the problem with playing apex after you've played it takes two in pokemon is you're no longer in apex mode yeah so like not in that fast-paced mindset yeah so i'm sitting there and like dude last night i had somebody right in front of me I swear to you, I unloaded like three clips of an R301 and I could not hit my mark. And he was right in front of me, dude. It was so bad. Towards the end of playing with Justin this week, I did okay. Like I was getting some decent damage and and doing what I needed to do. Uh, But it's just so difficult, man, to transition from that style of gameplay to another style and then back. Um, So, yeah, it it was an interesting week nonetheless on Apex. Uh, But what about yourself? So I almost thought about picking up Dying Light 2 this week. Um, that's I've not played the first one, and I saw uh, Skillup's review, and he kind of liked it. I mean, I, I appreciate his videos and his opinions on stuff, and I think that I probably would have a similar take. Like, this is probably one of those games that's going to be, like, big and I'm not going to finish, but... Seems like it would be a really fun game to play, and I'm not so concerned about having played the first one. Mm, at this point, though, I'm just kind of wondering, like, I'm I'm like 95% through Nobody Saves the World. So I'm going to finish that up. I might actually try to go for 100% on that and just finish up all the quests and, and max the, the characters out. I mean, probably not, like, max out, like, the the actual level level but just like all the skills and stuff um so i'm thinking about that and then i mean elden ring is just like a couple weeks away now like i just feel like 
buying Dying Light 2, I, I'm just not going to get my use out of it. I might as well just wait until later on, you know? Because the thing is, at this point, any new game that comes out, I'm most likely going to wind up buying digitally on Xbox, which I deliberately got this one to use as just a Game Pass machine. Like, I'm okay with spending some money and getting some games here and there. Like, that's fine. Like, I'm definitely buying Elden Ring. But the thing is, anything that I don't really, really feel that I need to play right, right now, dude, I'm going to get a PS5, and all those games will be super cheap then if I really still want to play them. If I really want to play Dying Light 2, I can buy it used when I get a PS5, and I'll have a better experience than I would have on my Series S anyways. Well, with Elden Ring, can't you just get it on Game Pass? No. It's not going to be part of that, no. like, release? No. I thought sometimes they had, like, new games on there. Well, yeah, like, sometimes they have new games. Like, any day one Xbox, like, Microsoft first-party studio games. Gotcha. And then any games that they, like, make a deal with. But, I mean, like, everybody who's going to play Elden Ring is going to buy Elden Ring. Like, it doesn't behoove them to throw the wider net to try to grab, like, the casuals in on Game Pass. Like, I just think that... They're better off just selling the product. I think each, I think each of their games has probably sold better than the last ones. Like I don't know for sure, but like I feel like probably more people bought Sekiro than bought, you know, Dark Souls three. I don't know about that. Sekiro, um, I think Sekiro was uh, no, because Sekiro was uh, more of a Japan ninja type of style in a sense. I, I don't know necessarily that it sold more copies. Than Dark Souls. I mean, Dark Souls has that name recognition. So if you're like a casual fan, you might be picking up Dark Souls more so than you're going to pick up Sekido. So that would be my thought. But I mean, probably I'm definitely wrong. So Sekido sold 1.4 million units at launch, while Dark Souls 3 managed to move around 1.2 million units. So it sold more at launch, at least. Hmm. Interesting. So I mean, and I think part of that is just that like Dark Souls 3. Like, yeah, you'll have probably the built-in audience of Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 2, but I think you're going to have less newcomers jumping in True. because they're going to be like, oh, this is the third one, like, in a series of games. And also, anybody who bought Dark Souls 1 two, and 2 and was going to buy 3 was also probably going to buy Sekido anyway, so they have the same pre-built-in audience yeah as each other so yeah good point yeah i i just think like elden ring has got so much hype behind it it's gonna sell a lot they don't need game pass to do them any favors on that well we talked about that whole thing of the difficulty and how it's supposed to not be as hard of a game compared to prior releases of from software so that might bring in some more of those gamers that are like oh now i feel like i can play it because the others were too hard which yeah realistically they were not that hard <laughs> so and then we like we were doing Pokemon Arceus for the inflation deflation, and <clears throat> I'm probably gonna buy that this week, just because like I was looking at the numbers earlier this week, and I was looking at the numbers last week when we did the DS starter kit. Like Pokemon games just go up in value. Like there's really no downside to buying Pokemon Arceus. Like. Except for the fact that I guess I could wait a few months and just try to buy a used copy. But, like, it's going to be, what, $5 off? 
at that point, you might as well just go to Walmart when they have it available and buy it for 50 bucks. Because yeah. that's the best deal you're going to find on a Pokemon game for the next two years. Yeah, exactly. On a new release title like that. Um, I want to get Sword and Shield at some point, but... I mean, I'm just going to hold. because. That- Let me know when you get it, because I was thinking the same thing. Like, I might as well go back and buy those ones. Like, I definitely should have bought one of those, like, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moons when they had just rows of them sitting at Target on sale. Well, dude, I got, like, five or six copies at $10 a piece at a Walmart. Yeah. You know, just because they happen to have them on discount at that point in time. Because I was looking at, like, the Soul Silver and stuff. It was, like, $200. Now. Oh, it's stupid. Yeah, it's definitely, dumb, like, dumb pricing. So, but uh, Sword and Shield, though, I can see that one going down in price a bit. I mean, usually, they'll usually go down a little bit into, like, the 40 to 30 range, like, years down the road, but then they just go right back up. Like, Pokemon X and Y are probably some pretty good examples. I don't know what they're going at right now, but when I worked at the game shop, uh, we sold them at like $15 a piece for mm-hmm. a long time. Uh, and only recently, I think they've gone back up in value. Pokemon Black's another good example. We used to sell for like 25 bucks. I think that game's like 50 right now. and It's, it's dumb. All Pokemon games have gone up. Pokemon Black? Yeah. Way more than 50, yeah. I think. What's that? Pokemon Black version? Yeah. I mean, unless it's gone up to 50. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 50. Because that was on, was, was that on, a DS or was that 3DS? Uh, I think it was DS and then the uh, Pokemon Black version 2. I think it was, they were both on DS. There's too many damn Pokemon games, man. And the DS had quite a lot of them, actually, and the 3DS. You're looking that up now on price charting? Yeah. So price charting says Black is 61 loose. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I was under on what it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we used to sell for about twenty five bucks. I'd say six, seven years ago, and then of course it's really high up now. Yeah. So that's just how it goes. So you're gonna buy it specifically for you know the fact that it usually doesn't go down in price anyways, and you'll just have it. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I mean, I still I didn't follow your advice. I still have like a sealed copy of the Mario three pack. Oh yeah. The Mario 3D All-Stars pack. I mean, at this point, you might as well hold on to it. I mean, I think so, because, like, honestly, I was thinking about it the other day. Like, even though they sold a bunch of those, like, obviously, they're all gone now. But the thing is, like, over the next two, three years of the last of the Switch's lifespan, they're going to sell another 20 million Switches. That's a lot of people out there that might want that game. Yeah. Eventually. You know, so it's like just keeping that extra one that I have sealed, even though a bunch of other people did the exact same thing, like the amount of switches that are going to be out there. And then considering, you know, I I don't think we have an article on it specifically this week, but there was like talk of like backwards compatibility in the news for the next gen of switch, which would make so much sense. These little cards, they're nothing to carry around. It makes sense. Just like the 3DS could take your DS games. This should do the same thing. So it's like all the people are going to buy the next gen switch. They're not going to remake this game and resell it out there. So there's going to be even more people in the future that might want access to this game. I think it's definitely was worth the investment originally to buy two copies. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it went down in price drastically. Like even if you saw price cuts, it was like 40, 50 bucks or yeah, about 40, 50 bucks regardless. So I think you're, you're in good shape just to hold on to at this point. So this week, yeah, played Nobody Saves the World, and I also played Luminous because that was on uh, Game Pass, and I like that. Game. That's yeah, a fun it's game a really fun sure. game, and I have such nostalgia for it from PSP because it was like the best PSP title. 
I think that was on both of our PSP collecting on a budget list when we did that episode. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, I know it was on mine. Um, but yeah, we don't have to dig into that one. Uh, but yeah, it's a great game. Definitely enjoy that one. Uh, anything else before we jump into our articles here? Nope. Okay, cool. Well, before we jump into our articles, of course, find this podcast on thegameplayers.com or all of your favorite podcast applications that are out there. And you can find us on social media at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook at Game Deflators on Twitter. Uh, so the articles this week, we're going to be covering the uh, acquisition of Bungie from Sony. Uh, we are also going to cover... Uh, one of the worst Nintendo Switch games, uh, which is also going to be getting a sequel, which is kind of ridiculous when you think about that. And then Microsoft's announcing their changes to Xbox Game Pass. So to start out, let's talk uh, gaming acquisitions. Uh, Sony and vastly overpaying for Bungie is what one analyst has said. And this is actually uh, Michael Pachter, uh, and it is through Yahoo Finance. So, I watched the video instead of reading the transcript on this one. Well, yeah, I mean, it's glad there was a video. Yeah, I'm glad it was a video. It was nice to just like listen instead of read. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, dude, when it first came out, when you first texted me and said, hey, Sony bought Bungie, I was like, what? Why? Yeah, like, what <laughs> is what I told you? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what? I was just so confused as to why this happened. And I'm still confused. Like, I get it. You know, we talked about, I think we talked about it last week too. Um, or no, a couple weeks. Was it a couple weeks? A couple no, weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Yeah, I guess it has been a little bit now. I don't know, man. I'm losing track on the episodes we've done. We might have just talked about it in general. Uh, but yeah, so this whole acquisition of Bungie, it, it makes no sense. I mean, they even mention it in this video where he's like, yeah, uh, they're like, what is it? Respawn was purchased by uh, EA uh, and they're the ones that do um, Apex. And so Respawn was purchased for, I think he said $700 million, And yet Bungie was just purchased for $3.6 And they bought more developers from Respawn at a cheaper dollar point and they paid like almost double i think he said the highest market value he's seen per developer for bungie and i'm looking at this and it's like i mean the guys at bungie are talented but i mean like are are they that talented but like what else are you getting if you look at you know, the whole acquisition, uh, you know, which got them the Bethesda games and whatnot. What is it? Uh, Zimax or Zynamax? Zenimax. Zenimax, yeah. Zenimax um, from Microsoft. That was, what, $7.6 Their valuation was like $11 billion, uh, before that acquisition had occurred. Microsoft got them when they were, you know, down in valuation, picked them up, and got all of those great titles. That's the and, biggest difference is the the net set of IP that they got. Cause it's like, when you say they got Bungie, the first thing that goes into your mind is, well, Microsoft owns Halo. Yeah. Like, and also the team that was associated with making Halo, that was so long ago that three, four, three took over. Like, are any of those people there? Like you got to get your mindset that Bungie is, the people that are doing Destiny now. And yep. Destiny 2 has been out for, what, like five years now? I don't know, some stupid amount of time. And and they've made some pretty shoddy decisions with that. Like, they've cut off access to the best extra content that they had once made. Well, they regularly screw over the community with their microtransactions and stuff. Like, this is not like the face that Sony usually carries forth with their first party stuff. Like I never remember hearing about Sony first party stuff being like, 
microtransaction-y grab stuff, you know, or or things that don't look towards their legacy content. Well, some of that is because of who they've been working with. So I think, I want to say it was EA is who they've worked with for Destiny 2. And much of the issue of that is EA is very microtransaction focused, whichever yeah. organization you're working with. And so that's a big reason why you're seeing a lot more microtransactions. So the hope is that Sony can get them back to a place where Destiny is what it once was and what people were loving. But if they take away all those microtransactions, like Patrick was saying in the thing, like this is already not as profitable of a return on investment kind of company. Like they're not expecting to make all that back. So it's like, I'm thinking that this is something that happened maybe in the background that we're not in full view of. Like, I think Bungie's probably got something like really killer in the pipeline that's super hush. And that's why Sony is overpaying so much for it because it doesn't seem like, it seems like there's enough smart people out there that they wouldn't just be like, hey, how about we pay you more than what you're worth because we're scared of Xbox? Like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's how it's coming off. Because, like, Bungie, I think they said, made about $200 million in revenue each year or something like that. They bring in $200 million a year, whereas Respawn was, like, $500 million, I think he said. So, it financially, it makes zero sense to have picked up Bungie. Like, there's so many other studios out there they could have picked up for that. I mean, they probably could have picked up, like, Capcom or something cheaper than that. I mean, I'm just throwing out random numbers Capcom, here. Capcom, Sega, either of those are, I mean, uh, Konami. Dude, if they picked up Sega, you know how ridiculous that would be to be, like, the home of Sonic or something moving forward on PlayStation? Like, And there's so many other, like, legacy IP that you can get into. Like, this, that's the thing. Like, if, if Sony wants to compete with Microsoft on a we make really good games basis. I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They don't need a console to do that. They could just make really good games like other companies do that are just dev studios. But like if they want to be a platform and host, they need to have a wide collection of gotta have it IP and buying destiny is not a gotta have it IP you know, I do wonder how much of it, though, like, could you have bought Konami? Could you have bought Capcom? Any of those companies out there? And the answer is probably yes, that they could have bought them. But they're probably looking at it from the perspective of a Japanese company is not going to sell themselves to an American-based company. And, you know, why jump in and, and buy Konami or Capcom at this point? Because they're still going to make games that are not going to sell out to Microsoft, most likely. Let's go out and buy Bungie. Because that would be a possible acquisition and stick it to Microsoft. But realistically, I mean, maybe, dude, maybe this is a situation. Like, remember years back where Microsoft purchased Rare and they thought they were getting Donkey Kong? Oh, I I wasn't <laughs> sure if they thought that they were getting Donkey Kong. No, that was, Kong. A, that was a whole thing. Like, apparently there were people inside that felt that when they purchased Rare, they were also getting the Donkey Kong IP from Nintendo. But that wasn't the case. I mean, they never really did anything with Conquer. They never really did anything with Banjo. Well, they, they made did. that one Banjo game. Yeah, and it wasn't very good. But they still have Banjo-Kazooie, and they still have Conquer, and they can do that whenever they want and revive it at any point. Uh, and they've they've used that studio to make a lot of other games. Like they had the Killer Instinct game that came out, which apparently I don't think was that good either. But um, how, how funny would it be if Sony picked up Bungie for that much money, thinking they were getting Halo? Or what if they just this is all um, 
a clever ploy to make what was that like old Mac game that they had? It was like know. before Halo. I don't know. Revive that, yeah. you know? Or we're gonna make Shalo. <laughs> it's the female master chief. Oh man. Yeah, I just I don't understand it. But uh definitely check this one out. We'll have it linked uh within our podcast uh description or the details underneath. And yeah, I mean let us know if you think Sony overpaid for Bungie. I think they did. I do under by the way, I do think there are some things that Sony is looking at in terms of like um, being able to utilize it for movies and that type of stuff down the road because they do make a lot of money on that. But I just don't see this. Like, how are they going to recoup three point six billion off of just Destiny? And it maybe maybe something in the pipeline. I just don't. Yeah, understand. They just got to sell more eight K TVs. More eight K TVs with Destiny bundles included. All right, next thing we got here is a Tyler Fisher at comicbook.com. Uh, one of the worst Nintendo Switch exclusives is reportedly getting a sequel. Uh, you are correct if you're listening. That game is 1-2 Switch. Uh, I am going to call it now. I think that the sequel is going to be called 3-4 Switch. And it'll be four players being able to do whatever the hell you could do in 1-2 Switch. I just think that this is stupid. Like, 1-2 Switch, everybody agrees, should have been a pack-in title like Wii Sports. Like... We are two years from shuttering the Switch and coming out with some kind of redesign finally. And now is not the time to demonstrate to everybody how much their controllers drift and remind them that there's like really advanced, like haptic rumble technology in the Joy Cons that no game uses other than the prequel to this game that they're going to make. Like, what is even the point of this? Like, all right, guys, it's uh, we've sold like a hundred million Wii's now, like two years left. Let's make another Wii Sports game. I mean, they did, they made Wii Sports Resort. Well, yeah, but not like not six years later. I'm pretty sure it was. You keep talking. I'm going to look this up. You look that up. But like, I'm curious. Like six or seven years later to come out with a sequel to a launch game that nobody really wanted to pay the money for. And I don't think anybody's picked up. Like I really wanted one to switch and never bought it because I never wanted to actually pay money for it. And I still haven't. Okay. I'll give it to you that the Wii Sports Resort must have been like two years in. Wii Sports was 2006. Wii Sports Resort was 2009. Okay. So three-year difference. I'll give you that. But still the same concept. I mean, well, no, but that it. was like... I mean... It, it was a sequel to a game that nobody had to pay for. True. So the first game, everybody was like, God, I love this. If only there was more than these six free games. This is like... Man, I paid 40 bucks for something I played one weekend. Can't wait to pay 60 for the sequel to that. You know, Nintendo historically has had like really bad launch titles like this. I mean, we'll at least starting with at least with the Wii. At least with the Wii. Like they have had some really rough let's just throw some random crap out there that kind of uses our technology on this new console. It, it's almost like in a sense a tutorial type of game. Yeah. For what you're gonna expect. It's a tech demo. Yeah. It's this pretty is, much this what is, it is what you would have in the kiosk if you could have Joy Cons that wouldn't get stolen and broken because of the society we live in as a demo game to sell the console. Hear me out here. 
what if Nintendo is making this sequel knowing that all of its rabid fan base thinks everything Nintendo makes is going to turn into cash profit down the road? And they're figuring, hey, why don't we take advantage of that? Let's go ahead and release a sequel to this really shitty game we made a long time ago. Because we know if we release it, people are going to think, wow, it's so bad. Nobody's going to buy it. Oh, nobody's going to buy it. So it's going to be worth money down the road. So let's go buy it. So Nintendo's using their own reverse psychology on us to buy millions of copies of some crappy sequel, thinking it's going to be worth a ton of money, but there's going to be like 100 million copies floating around. Right. That, I think that's what happens, Ryan. That's got to be it. That's why, a big plan. Because why else would you have games like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 get like limited print runs and then make something like this? Yeah. Come on. Um, okay, I don't think we have to talk more on that. Uh, really shitty exclusive is getting a sequel, uh, likely because it sold however many millions of copies uh, right off the bat uh, when it came out. And uh, that's all you really need to know. Okay, the last thing here is, again... Uh, back to Tyler, back, Fisher attack. We'll have to message a guy. Uh, Comicbook.com, Tyler Fisher again. Uh, so Microsoft has announced some big changes to the Xbox Game Pass. Uh, the, the real premise of this article is that Microsoft is allowing... So if you have Game Pass and as a subscription or subscriber, you forget you have Game Pass or you just stop playing it and over a certain period of time you continue paying into it, Microsoft is now sending out notifications to let that person know, hey, you've been inactive for a while. Um, we're also going like to offer you a refund. Money? Yeah. Like, here's a refund because of this. I not, have... not refunding you for what you've paid, but refunding you in the sense that if you have eight months left, they'll give you back some credit for your remaining time on your auto 12-month renewal. Whereas Netflix, I mean, Netflix is month to month. You don't really pay for, um, yeah. you know, a well, subs- Can't you get, I've always wondered, like, don't they sell gift cards? Uh, for like Netflix and stuff, like can know. you give somebody like a gift card for like a year of Netflix or something? I don't know if they still do that or not. I haven't seen one, but Amazon, of course, has like you can either pay monthly or you can pay annually. Now, if you pay annually, they on just Amazon, upped that. Yep, it's one forty now, I think, or one forty nine. One thirty nine, um, I think. Yeah. So now, if you pay monthly, it's like. 14 no it's like 12.99 or something like that if you pay monthly or no 14.99 if you pay monthly and then like 149 a year if you do the annual but here's the point so if you do an annual subscription for prime and you forget it amazon charges you everything up front during your renewal date you have to then call you usually have a little leeway period where you can call and say hey i didn't want this i want to go i haven't ordered anything i haven't watched any twitch yeah i haven't used it and usually they're pretty good about it and worst case scenario you just contact your credit card company and be like i didn't authorize the renewal of this and then you get your money back anyways um but as far as like the monthly subscription part is concerned netflix and amazon both kind of prey on this like their whole hope is that you are going to forget the subscription exists and and most subscription-based companies do this dude i've had personal issues with this this week trying to go in and cancel a couple of services you can't do it through the app if you go on your phone and try to cancel like uh crunchy roll yeah or try to cancel um i i did the dc or the unlimited comiXology trial run thing yeah you can't cancel those in the app you need to get on a computer you need it for the comicsology. You have to go to Amazon to cancel it. Oh, they oh they, they buy them. Okay. Yeah, and so it's like there's there's all these loopholes. Like you could go on your phone and start pledging 
you know, however much a month to as many people as you want, but you better have a home computer if you want to stop that. <laughs> well, and so one thing you could do theoretically is if it's too much of a pain in the ass and for some reason you don't have a computer, you, I mean, could, you actually... could go to your browser and go to desktop mode. Like I know you could do that, but I'm just that... saying like in general, they, they make it super hard to get out of these. They want you to keep giving them that money and... You know, if you're like, oh, maybe I'm not going to use this anymore, get frustrated and give up on it and just be like, I'll just keep paying them and well, watch I, more anime again or something. What I was going to suggest is you can actually just change your credit card number to an old credit card of yours that doesn't work anymore. And if they can't make the deposit, like if they can't take the money, they just cancel your subscription. I if, don't think if you can like, enter an expired credit card. You usually can put in like old credit card info and stuff. Like I, I've been able to do that in the past. Or you can remove your credit card payment. Like, just remove that form of payment and say, I don't have the card anymore, and there's nothing to charge it to, so they cancel the account. I mean, that would probably be just as difficult. Maybe, yeah, based on what you're describing. But, you know, I've been able to do that Either on way, a couple things. Xbox is doing, or Microsoft is doing, proactive consumer things. And I'm always into proactive consumer things. And I think a lot of this is probably them changing policies in anticipation for however they're going to roll out their new change to games with gold and Xbox live and game pass, because they're going to reach a point soon where they're going to be making enough monthly revenue off of game pass alone that they can get rid of those other expenses. Cause like it's really ridiculous today to charge people just to play the games together online. Like that should be a built-in part of the service. And then the service you're paying for is these other extra things like the game pass service and whatnot. And we know that with, you know, whatever project Spartacus is that Sony's working on, this is going to be a contentious field. So it's, it definitely behooves Microsoft to get everybody familiar in their organization to be ready to give people refunds or alter those credits into another system that you could, you know, switch your membership over to without feeling like you're losing out on something. Yeah. So uh, some of the other stuff they're doing here, uh, as far as this concern, is it it is with Xbox Live as well. Uh, so it's not limited to just Game Pass, but they're also going to be doing like better alerts and for price increases for people. Uh, letting them know, um, you know, about their policies up front. So like auto renew and how to turn off auto renew and how refunds can be granted. Like all of that is going to be included uh, within this new change in policy that they have. So, you know, I really think that stuff like this, like especially when a company like Microsoft is doing it, invokes change in other companies. So hopefully like some of these other organizations like Disney, if their annual, you know, subscription basis, like what they're doing. And I, you know, I haven't, these are services I don't plan on canceling, obviously, like Hulu and Disney and ESPN Plus and uh, Netflix and whatnot. Like, I have no intention of canceling those anytime soon. But something like Game Pass, I could see where um, it could be something you cancel because you decide, well, I just don't want to do that anymore. I just want to play PlayStation now or I want to do Nintendo and kind of flip-flop between things. So I am happy to see them making this change, and I do feel this could have a positive impact on the industry as a whole when it's all said and done. So we'll see. Um, anything else on that? No, I think we're good. 
All right, cool. So let's uh, let's talk some Pokemon Legends of or Pokemon Legends, not of Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, developed by Game Freak, of course. Who else will be making it other than uh, Niantic, I guess, for Pokemon Go? Um, published by Nintendo and the Pokemon Company, and then it was uh, directed by you might have to say this. I think it's Kazumasa. Kazumasa. Okay. Yeah, I uh, could not see that from here, dude. I gotta. Oh, I'm using my old glasses right now. That's what it is. I was like, why is this like just a little too blurry? Uh, it was released uh, just last week, actually, and is an action role-playing game. Reception so far has been around an 8 out of 10. So you played a little bit. Uh, let's hear your opinion first, and I can dive into kind of my review and what I've experienced overall, because I, I did a little bit of it when we kind of started, but I'm like, eh, I don't want to put too much into it because we're going to be doing this too. So I've been very sus for a while about this. I don't think anybody who listens to the podcast regularly would be surprised or, you know, I, I've been very vocal. I, I'm not excited about this game. I'm worried that its open world is going to be very empty and lacking in stuff to do. And from what I've been told by people, from what I've seen online a little bit, I haven't watched like a big in-depth review yet. I might do that yet. Uh, from even playing it a little bit here with John, I think that my fears were mostly founded. I think that while you can run around the world and be on the back of a Stantler or ride on a Basculin or throw your Pokemon at a... Oh, we never saw if you could throw a Pokemon and just break that rock or not. Um, Truck. Oh, yeah. No, we didn't do that. I'm sure you can. Throw your Pokemon at a tree to do this or run by a leak and grab that. Like, I just think that, like, the uses of Pokemon in a Pokemon world, especially in, like, a time where it's supposed to be more like people and Pokemon and a more, you know, natural existence... Like, maybe you can attest to some of this stuff. Like, do you see people in Pokemon working together? Like, I always love, like, when the Machokes are, like, carrying in, like, your moving stuff. We do that. You know, like, is there a lot of that action going on in this game? Yes, yeah, so there's been some instances. Like, you saw the guy that had the worm pole that was next to him in that big building. Uh, so that was one example where he's like, hey, I really want this companion Pokemon. Can you get me a worm pole? Caught it for him, brought it back. Another guy was like, hey, we really need some help tilling the grounds here for our farm. Uh, could we get a rock-type Pokemon? So I brought him a Geodude. And a but, Geodude like, do you see them, like, doing stuff? Uh, no, not off the bat. I mean, I'm sure down the road you might, okay, but, so yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like, for, for me to have this world be big and believable and have stuff going on, it's got to be more interaction than just, you can throw a Pokeball at it, or you can throw a Pokemon at it. Like, when... When Link's in the world in Breath of the Wild, he can slide on his shield. He can ride on a horse. He can climb a tree. He can shoot a thing off of a thing and go grab it. Like, the ways that you interact with the world have a lot of depth and they feel really real. And I feel like while it's nice to get away from the trappings of Pokemon of, like, having a Pokemon that needs to use cut. And having a Pokemon that needs to use Surf. And having a Pokemon that needs to... And that HM limitation. Like, people don't like having an HM slave and it sucks. Like, it really limits the game in certain ways. But at the same time, it makes the world more believable in a way that you don't just have a press A to do Pokemon thing. And that accomplishes everything in the world that you can do. Mm -hmm. Like, and... People have been harping on the graphics for a while. Oh, yeah, they're bad. I, I'm not a huge person to do that, but I will agree that, like, I just think that 
while this is a nice step in the right direction, it's like the most casual step. Like if they really wanted to shake things up and do a lot, they could have done more. And I don't like that I was surprised that it is an isekai. The, the, the fact that it's lost in another world, Pokemon world with my smartphone is troublesome. Hey, it's a god phone. I'll have you know, it's an arc phone. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm going to buy the game, like I said earlier. So I'll put my money where my mouth is. Whether or not I actually wind up playing that game very much or, or enjoying it very much more than I think I'm going to, only time will tell. So... I'm on the opposite side of it. So I was really looking forward to this game uh, with the open world concepts, uh, you know, because it was a little different than what we had had in years past. Plus the whole 3D atmosphere, being able to, <clears throat> you know, run around in that capacity. I think Sword and Shield's like that. So, I mean, that's kind of an existing game and I, I might look to play that one pretty soon. Um, but I, I like the whole concept of you're this character that's fallen from the sky and you're in this like feudal Japan type of setting capturing Pokemon and, you're doing all the research that's tied to it. Like it's it's very grind worthy in that you're having to constantly catch different Pokemon and interact with them in different uh, capacities. So for example, if you're trying to catch a Pikachu, part of it is you have to capture X amount of Pikachu, you have to defeat X amount of Pikachu, you have to watch it do Thundershock and watch it do other things, evolve said Pikachu. There's different things that you have to do with these Pokemons and interact with them in such a way that you never really did in the prior games, at least in my experience of those prior games. Um, the leveling up is very seamless compared to prior games in that everything kind of levels up at once, no matter what you're doing. Uh, if it's capturing a Pokemon, if it's defeating a Pokemon, everybody's leveling up, which is kind of nice because you don't have that super heavy grind focus that at least a lot of the other games have had in the past. Well, and I mean, you're grinding out having to catch 15 Bidoofs yeah. and fight X amount of Bidoofs. But the thing is, like in the old Pokemon up. games, you were leveling up, fighting whatever the most challenging thing around was. Now you're just going out and hitting the same thing as many times as the game tells you. But it puts more emphasis on... Well, I mean, you don't have to do like 20 times, though. Some of the challenges are like, you could do it three times. Or you could feed a Pokemon and you get a task. Like, you have to, com to complete your Pokedex for each Pokemon... You have to get like a level of 10, basically, on 10 different like things, like tasks tied to it. And so one might be like, hey, you get four points if you catch six Pokemon. But I could do two points towards that and put like two points towards something else or two points towards another thing. Uh, one of them is like feeding a Pokemon. If you throw a Pokemon's favorite food at it, which you learn after capturing a couple and defeating a few, you learn, oh, it likes mushrooms. Let me throw a mushroom at it. That's one task now that's done. Mm. So there's little things tied to it like that um, that are a lot of fun. Now, keep in mind, I haven't played a Pokemon game really since, uh, obviously, Pokemon Go. I played that. But I really haven't played a Pokemon Go or Pokemon game since Silver for the most part. So any of these things I say like, hey, your Pokemon are leveling up with you. I mean, that could have taken place in black for all I know. Okay. And it, it so doesn't. yeah, there's, you've so, got, you've got some gapage. I've got some major gap. That, here. Ma that makes sense. So, I, I guess I hadn't really considered that. So for older like Pokemon fans that maybe haven't dived into a game or dove into a game for quite some time, this is a nice jump compared okay. to where I used to be. And so I'm really liking that this whole exploratory component, the alpha Pokemon that are in the game. So it's these like, enraged like giant pokemon that are much larger than they're supposed to be usually so i have like a, a cricketune that i caught that's the alpha that you usually get in the beginning 
and I've been using the hell out of that, but it has like hyper beam and the different styles like strong style and agile style, where if it's strong style, it's a lot more stronger of a, a move, but, um, in the turn order, you can usually get hit twice uh, by opposing Pokemon, or you do Agile, where you have the ability to like, take an extra turn by going Agile. So there's some strategic components of that. Um, but the Alpha Pokemon are pretty cool. Uh, I love the uh, the different lands that you go to. The one thing I do feel it's lacking, as far as like a gameplay perspective is concerned, is you don't have the different cities. You only have the one city uh, that you're at, and then you just have a bunch of camps everywhere and you have your different regions like where different Pokemon are located within like the area, but there's no like specific, you know, you know, in the past you had like Celadon city and you go there and you have, you know, X trainers that you're battling. Like there's, and there's not a whole lot of that either. There's not a whole lot of getting uh, bombarded by various trainers along your path. Like you have to physically talk to somebody and when you do, you can decline to actually battle against that person like you don't have to battle you can just like i was approached uh before you came over i was playing and somebody came up and said hey do you want to battle and i was like nope that was it like that's all i had to do have and they explained where pokeballs come from when they don't have computers <laughs> i dude i am still baffled by that because they haven't really explained like the whole process of making a pokeball necessarily i just know you get a tumble stone and an apricorn and an apricorn falls from a tree and a tumble stone is a rock so where those two combine chemically to create a ball which can then shrink down a, a you know a creature into a, a microscopic size is just beyond me. I just don't understand. And it's like, if you want to make a another type of Pokeball, it's like a piece of iron mixed with a tumblestone mixed with an apricorn. It's like, why? That makes no sense. But I'm guessing there's like magical components and compounds that would somehow, when fused and shaped, would make a Pokeball. Friendship. I guess. The power of friendship is yeah. what you're looking power for. Power of friendship. Okay, you're right. You're right. The power <laughs> of friendship. Um, you do have pastures. Uh, so instead of like the Pokemon computer, you have like a pasture where your different Pokemon sit. Uh, you have various uh, tasks that you can, or not tasks, but like missions, like side missions. So people task you to do certain things like, hey, I need X grains, which of course gives you certain items. Uh, sometimes like there was one where I had to find a Pokemon for somebody or like find this like mysterious light that was appearing. I ended up getting a Chimchar out of it because I had to go find that. Uh, there was a mission to find a shiny Ponita. So I got a shiny Ponita, which I'm hopefully going to turn into a shiny Rapidash. Uh, so... Little things like that on the side are pretty cool. And then you have your main mission, of course. Um, and right now it's I'm involved with like the Diamond Clan and the Pearl Clan and trying to do some different stuff for them. So there's like some, you know, some uh, references to other games or really the history behind some of those other games. So I, I like it, dude. I think it's pretty cool so far. And like I said earlier in the podcast episode, my biggest qualm is, of course, the graphics being lackluster. I seriously thought I was playing like a PS2, PS3 game when I first started. Actually, honestly, more PS2 than anything. And the lack of voice acting. I think at, at this day and age, I understand what they're doing. And I know a lot of JRPGs uh, usually don't have a lot of voice acting like that off the bat, um, at least in this style. Um, but, I mean, it needs it. Just it, make like, the Pokemon say their names. At least... Pikachu. At least I don't need to hear Pikachu doesn't even say Pikachu. Pikachu uh does his his noise, his cry. 
whatever that's a, that sounds like a pidgey <laughs> whatever um, yeah uh yeah you wouldn't be able to mouth that out most likely but yeah like all of the the pokemon do like their general cries i'm like you couldn't even make pikachu say, a wild fax machine has appeared and get this so on the on the tech like the the closed captions when pikachu speaks it says piga like p-i-g-a oh really yeah it says piga i'm oh. like this what? is before they invented K's? I guess. I'm guessing. Like, I was... I'm like, maybe that's how it's supposed it's to the, sound? It's the local accent. Maybe. But he's like, Piga! I'm like, that... What? Did I just read that right? And he's... I'm like, maybe there was a text there, so I was going to take a picture. And then it says it again. And it says, Piga! I'm like, Piga, Piga. So... What? If... If Pokemon say their names, and you get two Pokemon from different regions, that all they say is their name... But they can speak to, like, so are there multiple dialects of the same language? Like, they just say Pikachu in such subtly different ways here and there that they're completely different languages using the same one word? I don't know. I'm kind of curious what English Pikachu and Spanish Pikachu sound like. Exactly. Like, they would both say Pikachu. Yeah. But one of them would be saying Pikachu in Spanish, and one of them would be saying Pikachu in English. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I caught the Spanish Pikachu. That's what it is. That has to be it. Let's uh, let's also not forget, by the way, because you brought up a very good point. Because we, when we started up for you, you played as a girl, and twelve-year-old girl or ten-year-old girl, girl falls from the sky, and Professor Leviton's like, "You got anywhere to stay? You here alone? Anywhere to sleep? Let me take you back to the city." Hey, I just found this person. We're gonna be here for a little yeah. bit. As he walks, is like, "That's not creepy at all." so it's just like some little kid falls from the sky it's like they're obviously not going to know like i just the the when you the way that these characters address these small children on these giant adventures like they're just a reasonable adult that has a full understanding of the situation and a plan for the night i've never met a 10 year old that i would meet in the wild and be like dude, you just fell from the sky. Like, obviously you've got like hotel arrangements and stuff, right? Yeah. And then do you know what a Pokemon is? <laughs> Looking down at the shirt with a giant yeah. Pokeball on the shirt. Like, uh, maybe? Like, he's here giving instructions about Pokemon. We just like, invented these Pokeballs. Yeah. And she's like, this is an Ultra Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Which I haven't gotten to that point either. But uh, last thing about this is as you catch more Pokemon, you get like uh, different, you get money, obviously. So the more, more Pokemon you catch, the more money you get. Uh, another big qualm is the satchel that you hold to get your items. You have to like pay for additional spots. So it's like it starts at 100, then 200, then 300. And now I'm up to like 8,000 for like one additional item hold at this point. And I mean, when you're talking like getting money for this, I just, I had to catch like 29 Pokemon last night to get, I think it was like eight or 9,000. So I'm going to get one item hold for the like 29 Pokemon that I caught. So is this... That's what I'm asking. Is this making Pokemon better? Like, catching Pokemon is kind of what it's all about. Like, that's the basis of Pokemon. But it wasn't really until we got to Pokemon Go where it was like, yeah, man, catching the Pokemon is what it's about. Like, oh, 100%. And then now this is another game where it's like... Well, I mean, it's always been about gotta catch them all. I mean, that's always been the concept. Well, yeah, it's been about gotta catch them all, but it hasn't been about like, hey, man, you gotta catch 40 a week to pay your bills. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a whole different thing than catching one of every Pokemon. That's true. Maybe these 10-year-olds are actually like 18-year-olds and are now in the world. And it's like, you got bills to pay. Because like, anybody could walk out that village 
and catch 30 geodudes. What's happening to those geodudes when you sell them to the village? Well, so the interesting thing is in this game, a lot of people are actually scared of Pokemon. So there's actually, like, I caught, like, a little bird Pokemon, and the girl's like, I want to see this. Can you bring it when you complete the Pokedex? I'm like, okay, okay cool. So these I bring it to her, like, and she's like, I don't want to touch it. Oh, no, like, you're crazy. Like, she's, like, they're baffled because it's, like, this new thing. These people must have just moved here. I guess. Because they said the village has been there for two years. Yeah, so... And they have obviously never seen a Pokemon. Like, Pokemon Conquest is a really good DS game where it's, like, feudal Japan. It's a tactics game. It's like a whole different vibe. Oh, play that one. Yeah, I wonder time-wise how that lines up against this one. I don't know. But long story short, I like it. I think it's good. Brass Tacks. Uh, Brass Tacks. This game just came out. So even though price charting says complete in box $53, no. You could go to the store and buy this. For 50 Yeah, so no 53 And then, um, let's see. Loose $34.97 is what it says. I'd pay $40 for this instead of 50 That sounds like a good idea. You might as well look around, man. If you can get this for 35 bucks loose, go ahead. So, you know, obviously time will tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you're not really big into the whole complete and box thing anyway. So, like, you know, you're talking, hey, I might get this game. Uh, well, I guess it is a little tiny cart, so it's a pain in the ass to hold on to. Okay, so here, here's the deal. If you can pick this game up loose at $35 do it 100 like no doubt but if you like to come you know get a complete box copy you know 50... oh does it have a reversible slip i don't know i didn't check oh i don't usually i mean i'm sure any slip can be reversible unless it's white on the inside well that's what i'm talking about yeah i'm pretty sure it does but it's not like i don't think the spine says it it's just the case itself would have like you know that insert of like a map or region yeah um i, I always reverse I my slips i don't know maybe it does i haven't i really don't do it um, but 50 bucks complete in box brand new at Walmart. Uh, I mean, I think it's worth it. I don't think it's inflated. I think it's obviously just right. And 50 bucks is really, but just right. I think if you're paying 60, I don't know why you are. Cause you can get it cheaper elsewhere, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think that's, that's the route to go, man. Uh, I think pick it up. I think it's worth playing. If you are far removed from the Pokemon franchise as I was, uh, with Go being the only Pokemon game that has really been played over that period of time outside of Silver, uh, I would say pick it up. You're going to enjoy it. And, um, you know, if, if you don't want to complete the whole Pokedex, that's cool. But being able to explore and train your Pokemon and all that, I think it's a really cool concept and it's worth, it's worth picking up. Yeah. So, okay. Well, um, anything else on Pokemon, Ryan? Nope. Okay. I'll let you guys know next time... Your thoughts if on Pokemon. I've got it. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, this has been episode 169 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.